and welcome to Grace Life Rondebosch. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray that this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. And um, we all want to come out of that better. And so let's look at the word and see what does it have to say about that. With regards to the idea of reigning, um, if I was to ask you, what do you think reigning in life means? Uh, we might come up with as many answers as there are people here. And so it might mean something different to each of us. And I can guarantee you that many of us will have the wrong definition. We won't, it's not right because you thought of it, it's right because it's in the Word. <laughs> and so we need to come to the right conclusions so that we don't set ourselves up for disappointment. Okay, because like Proverbs says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. So if you're hoping and you're like, wow, I, you know, the, the Bible says that um, uh, I'll have whatever I say, so I'm the next lotto winner. In the name of Jesus, I'm saying I'm going to be the next lotto winner. And you don't win the lotto, what's going to happen? You're going to get disappointed in your heart and you'll be like, why doesn't this work? And uh, uh, you, you'll need some more answers for that. <laughs> but uh, your hope is put in the wrong place. So, you know, Romans chapter 5 verse 17, let's look at that. It says, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. So, We'll come back to this whole chapter in a, in a bit, but the idea I want to pull out of there is that it shows us that the Christian life is one of reigning in life through Jesus. This is what it shows us. The Christian life is about reigning in life through Jesus. When I think of the, um, the word reigning, I think of a king. And so, you know, um, you could say like this is, for us, we should be reigning as kings. Okay, and I'll put you in there, women as well. Okay, under kingship. But uh, like we all should be reigning as kings in this life. 1 John 5 verse 1 and verse 4 says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ, or the Messiah, is born of God. And everyone that loveth him, that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. Now the first part there is showing us that if we believe that Jesus is who he says he is, then we're born of God. Then verse 4 says, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. So if you're a Christian and you're born of God, it means you've overcome. Even if you don't feel like it, it means you're born into overcoming. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So we're born again into victory, but we need to look at what that is. We need to look at what that is, okay? Because, like I said, if we all were to define it, we could define it wrong. And so we need to make sure we're getting the right, coming to the right conclusions. Um, so uh, we need to, or let me put it like this, you'll probably also define it according to what you feel your greatest need is right now. You'll also define what is reigning in life according to what you think man's greatest need is in life. Okay? So if you're going through a health situation, you'll think that that's, that's what it means. And it, you're not wrong 100%. But it's not completely the answer. You'll think that if it's, uh, you're struggling financially, you'll think that that's the, the answer. Or what have you. Okay? But let me ask you this question. We're going to look at what does um, victory look like in the Christian life and what does overcoming look like. But let me ask you, do you think you're reigning in life through Christ right now? So let's think about that for me. You think about it for you. And let's take inventory of ourselves for a moment. Okay, am I reigning in life through Christ right now? Now, uh, for some of us, we might uh, we not need to switch off our minds quickly because you don't want to go to depression, right? <laughs> if you start thinking about everything that's wrong and everything that's not a good answer, but you need to know, okay, there's things that that can be fixed and things that do need to get sorted out to be able to move forward. So let's you know thank God for that and let's move forward. Let's not dwell on the things that aren't maybe going so well. But if you're judging yourself according to your bank balance, for example, maybe you thought about that when you were judging yourself now. 
I tell you, you've missed the gospel. You've missed the gospel in judging yourself, uh, uh, and you're judging yourself wrong. Yeah, if because the gospels, not that's not what what it's about, and we're going to dig into that a bit now. Okay, in the area of healing, and this is where we need to be careful. You know, the gospel doesn't guarantee physical healing, but it provides it. It provides it. How do we know it doesn't guarantee it? Because the moment you got saved, you didn't get healed. You still have sickness in your body. And so, you know, uh, 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 that's why we take medicine. Okay? But, there is healing available, and we know lots of testimonies, we've seen lots of testimonies, and there's lots of testimonies in the making here. Amen? <laughs> so, we believe for healing, and we go for healing. It's God's will to heal, and it's provided for, but we can't limit reigning and life to just that either. But it includes that. Okay? But we'll look at that. Um, because you can reign in life even if sickness is present in your body. That's the, that's the reality of it. Okay? I'll use you as an example. Jamie's a good example of reigning in life in the midst of a, 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 a heart condition. A problem. Okay? So she's on a heart transplant list. She's got a bag which is her heart. Uh, that she carries around, and she's reigning in life because she's full of joy and full of peace, and she was able to minister to 200 ladies this past week uh, uh, and uh, and tell them basically that um, God didn't do this to her. So she's not angry with God, and she's she's happy, and she's full of joy, and she's living a life. That's reigning, okay? Not getting depressed about seeing what you want to see, but uh, believing that you'll still see it as well. Okay, so while we're contending for healing to manifest, or we could say, while we're going through the valley of the shadow of death, we can fear no evil and be full of joy because we know that God is with us. Okay, we know that God is good regardless of circumstances. But let me pick on uh, material wealth for a moment. You know, because I've heard uh, a lot of Christians judging Christians based on how much do you have. And then it's like people who have finances have more faith than people who don't have finances. Have you ever heard of something like that? Or, or been impressed uh, or been around people like that? It's kind of like you're judged because of your lack and then it's like you've got a lack of faith because where's your, where's your faith? If you had faith then it should, should be working out for you. Okay? There's a lot of things I want to say about that. But let's look at, because uh, obviously they get this from the Apostle Paul. So let's, uh, let's look at how prosperous the Apostle Paul was. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, from verse 23 to 28 in the Passion Translation, because it says it so nicely. Are they servants of the Anointed One? I'm beside myself when I speak this way, but I'm much more of a servant than they. I have worked much harder for God, taken more beatings, and been dra dragged uh, to more prisons than they. I've been flogged excessively, multiple times, even to the point of death. Five times I've received 39 lashes from the Jewish leaders. Three times I experienced beating, uh, being beaten with rods. Once they stoned me. It couldn't be speaking about a godly man. It couldn't be speaking about a godly man, obviously, right? Uh, um, three times I've been shipwrecked. His car broke down. <laughs> For an entire night and day, I was adrift in open sea. Now, let me pause there before we get to verse 26 and say, how would many Christians today respond to the Apostle Paul saying all of these things? Think about it. I, 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 on, on Facebook yesterday, or this morning, I can't remember when it was, um, my, my friend in London, uh, Ben Conway, posted a picture of uh, their car, and they had were driving, he drives around a lot as well, and he was driving to one of their churches to minister, his daughter was on the front passenger seat, and someone decided to throw a brick through their window, and uh, no one got hurt or anything like this, they were just very startled, but obviously the whole passenger window's out. And so he posted a picture of it and said he really likes their handiwork of how they patched up the window with black bags, because they needed to get on with the, the, the you know, ministry. And um, I was typing out the comments, and I deleted the comments, and I took a screenshot of uh, the, the whole post, and I sent it to him privately on WhatsApp with my comments. And I said, I wish I could post this on social media, but I knew that you would probably have a lot to deal with. So I thought, let me say this in private. What sin is in your life? 
Or was it your daughter? <laughs> and he responded by saying, it was neither of us, it was our grandparents. <laughs> but that's how a lot of us deal with things like this. Like, let's look at this. Apostle Paul, what did you do wrong? Where's the, the hole in your covering? What did you do wrong? Like, why, did, why is all of this going wrong in your life? Verse 26, in my difficult travels, I faced, and his travels weren't for holiday. His travels were for ministry. So surely, if it's a ministry travel, it shouldn't be difficult. I've traveled a lot for ministry, and some, a lot of the time it's difficult. So sometimes it's not so difficult, but sometimes I come back and I'm like, that was really difficult. <laughs> some, I remember coming back from one and going, um, I never want to go there again. Yeah, that was really difficult. You know, we got stuck in, in, in um, New York during a, a COVID lockdown, and uh, that was fun. We made it fun. It was great. We had a great time. But you know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, it's not always just a walk in the park. Okay? It's a walk in the dark. In, in my difficult travels, I faced many dangerous situations. Perilous rivers, robbers, foreigners. Foreigners are the worst, aren't they? I'm joking. I'm not promoting any uh, xenophobia here or anything. I'm just joking. Reading what the Bible says. Even my own people. Those are the worst. <laughs> my own people. I've survived deadly peril in the city, in the wilderness, with storms at sea, and with spies posing as believers. That's the worst. <laughs> Is the, the, the ones that are among you that uh, end up being the wolves. 27. I've toiled to the point of exhaustion. I've experienced that. That's not fun. I'm sure some of you have experienced that. Gone through many sleepless nights. Frequently been deprived of food and water. Prosperous life. Left hungry and shivering out in the cold. Lacking proper clothing. And besides these painful circumstances, I have the daily pressures of my responsibility for all the churches with a deep concern weighing heavily on my heart for their welfare. God didn't give all these hardships to Paul, but the hardships came because Paul was following God. So, it's like Paul wrote to Timothy and said, all those who will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And some of these things aren't persecution, which he's talking about. Some of them are just life. Okay? You know, your geezer, the, the water boiler in the ceiling, bursting. What's that? It's life. <laughs> you know, um, uh, uh, your car running out of petrol, it's life. It's, it's not the devil attacking you. That you ran out of petrol because you didn't put petrol in your car. Okay? You know, the, the, the ESCOM, it's not the devil. It's many other reasons. <laughs> okay, but the thing is, is we, we, we got to kind of realize like bad things happen in life. And yet, you know, it, I, I like it if you take this now and you go to Philippians chapter 4 and Paul's writing from prison. I spoke about this last week and he says, rejoice in the Lord always from prison. And yet, you know, we're sitting in the dark uh, because Eskom's off and we can't rejoice. You know, it, 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 it kind of uh, uh, puts it into perspective. Paul was reigning in prison because he was full of joy and he was praying for the believers and he was writing letters. He had a great thriving prison ministry. So Paul was, I believe, I was, I was thinking about this, Paul was more materially prosperous as a Jew than he was a Christian. Think about that. He was more wealthy as a Jew than he was as a Christian. In his material wealth, uh, uh, the Bible called him poor. And then in his material lack, the Bible calls him rich. He was rich as a Christian, but he was poor as a Jew, even though he had more money as a Jew. See, the, 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 the reason I say that is because we often use words wrong. We think poor just refers to money. And yet the Bible sometimes speaks about the poor in spirit. Or when it speaks about poor, sometimes it's speaking about poor in um, uh, 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 attitude or generosity. Okay? There are many, many wealthy unbelievers and ungodly people in the world. Amen? How did they become wealthy? It wasn't through faith in Jesus. 
It wasn't through uh, 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 becoming a Christian or confessing or sowing or anything like that. Many of them gained their riches through dishonesty, through corruption, and even through wickedness. Wicked people have lots of money. Some of them, not all of them. Where is, is God in that? Did He decide, I'm going to give wicked people money? No. I'll answer it before some of you do. <laughs> he doesn't decide, you, you got how much money you've got. You decide how much money you've got. Whenever I spend money, I decide if I'm spending the money or not. So I decide if I'm letting it go or if I'm keeping it. Okay? Um, it's amazing that we, we, we judge believers' faith according to their finances, but we don't judge unbelievers by the same measure. And yet, money and wealth works in, in, the, in the world pretty much without Jesus. And yet, when it comes to the church, we're like, wow, that one's struggling financially, they must have a faith problem. It's true, we do that. And it's wrong. We must be careful not to define the victorious life in terms of the world standards. 2 Corinthians 8, chapter, uh, chapter 8, verse 9. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, for your sakes He became poor, Yet that ye through his poverty might be rich. Now I have to bring this up and I'm focusing a lot on finances for now because this is how a lot of us define uh, success. This is how a lot of us define reigning and ruling in life is by how much we have. And yet Jesus said, I should have included this verse, that the, 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 the um, man's life does not consist in the abundance of what he has. So it's not what you have that defines you. It's who you have. And it's how you use what you have. So the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, as this verse puts it, is not materialistic and it's not circumstantial. Okay? The gospel is a message of God's love expressed through the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus uh, for the salvation of our, our, our lives, freedom from sin, according to the scriptures. Okay? And it's, it's a um, misuse of the Bible to now make it about money and make it about something which is materialistic because um, the wealthy are wealthy with, uh, in the world without Jesus. They're doing a good job without... Uh, go look at them in the Middle East. I saw, I can't remember what country, I saw a post of it now where they're building that big, long, uh, uh, like it's uh, like a mile long or something. This um, building, I thought it was, I think it was in Qatar or something. But in the middle of the desert, they're building this long, straight, like, city. And it's like, that's costing a lot of money. Where did that money come from? It didn't come from the church. <laughs> you know, it didn't come from faith. Because you don't need faith to be rich. Jesus didn't come to, to, to die so that we could make it in this life, according to the world. Now, I know... We, we all want to make it in this world according to the, the money and all of that, but I'm just, just saying that so that we can be free from that. So that you're not judging yourself according to that. Okay? Poverty, unemployment, sickness, failed marriage, all of these things are not the result of unbelief in Christ. It's not the you know, wealth, good health, good marriages. How many unbelievers have good marriages? I know some. <laughs> it's not faith in Christ that I know some people who've got faith in Christ in very bad marriages. Because the faith isn't influencing their decisions. Yeah, but the point is, is that we've we, we got to kind of see what is faith for. And that's one of the things we'll look at um, next week or the week after. But, yeah, there are some Bible uh, verses that, that we, we look at and we get the impression of prosperity, financially, like this one. And I'm going to get there. I'm going to talk about it, because we have to. This is one of those verses, and you know, it's, it's misinterpreted to teach that Jesus became materialistically poor, so you could become materialistically rich. You know, because your financial, because your inheritance in Christ is financial blessing. A lot of Christians don't seem to cash in on that. A lot of Christians... All over the world. Why? Because they don't have faith. No. Okay? 
It's an error to interpret riches in every single Bible passage where it says riches as money. Because sometimes it's not talking about money. Sometimes it's talking about other things. The unsearchable riches of Christ is not money. God doesn't have money. The only money He has is what you have. And what you put in the yellow box at the back. <laughs> okay? That's the only money God's got. He doesn't have money. He's not in this world system. He doesn't need the money. He does need the money for the mission. So you can put it in the box at the back. Amen? Okay. So, you know, uh, 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 John, he, he, he uh, used the words health and, and prosper in uh, 3 John verse 2. It says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. And we need to dig into all these verses a bit more maybe, but I'm, I'm, I need to move on. Here, we kind of look at mayest prosper and automatically think about financial prosperity. We read into it without doing a proper biblical study on these things. You know? And these are usually errors stemming from materialism and greed. I'll say it gently. <laughs> yeah, because it's, it, 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 if you don't start off with the right meaning, uh, the right point of departure, you'll end up there. If you understand what the message of the Bible is, and if you understand what God's purpose in salvation was, then you're not going to end up misinterpreting verses, and you're also going to evaluate your life correctly in terms of uh, uh, are you a success, and are you reigning in life, and what does it mean to reign in life? Okay, because some some believe that um, yeah, although these verses aren't talking about material blessings, it can relate to that, and that's wrong. It's wrong. You know, none of the apostles, none of the New Testament writers ever taught uh, about spiritual blessings being converted to money. Never. Spiritual blessings were spiritual blessings, and we focused on that before here, uh, but when we read the Bible, we have to have a, a Jesus Christ-centric focus, which means we interpret the Bible according to Jesus. Okay, And I'm going to dig into that in a moment, but if we understand that Jesus is the message of the Bible, and that the message of the Bible is uh, a faith, or salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus, and I'll get into that in a second, then we're always going to be looking at eternal life, and what does eternal life mean, and how do we live in this eternal life? Okay, let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 6, 17 to 19. Because the Bible does address material wealth. And you'll see that now. It says, teach those who are rich in this world. So, Paul now stipulates and defines what he's talking about. What is he talking about when he says rich in this world? He's talking about money. <laughs> okay? Who, who, are rich, who are the rich in this world? There's unbelievers who are rich in the world, and there's believers who are rich in this world. Okay? And he's talking to believers here, and he's saying... Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. I like how the King James puts it, uncertain riches. It's easy, like I, I've, I've counseled many people in many different situations, and when it comes to money, it seems like I've, I've gone through this too. It's like if money is going well and you've got enough and you've got security, then you are content and you're happy and it's kind of like things go well in your life. And as soon as that's challenged, all of a sudden, I'm just not going, doing well. And it's like, that's not reigning in life. Reigning in life is I'm trusting God and I know it's going to work out and uh, I've still got joy no matter what. That, that could be reigning in life in that situation. Yes, God wants you to eat. Yes, God wants you to pay your bills. Yes, He wants you to have more than enough money so you can be a blessing to other people. Amen. But, He doesn't guarantee that. Okay? Their trust should be in God. The King James says, but trust in the living God. I like how it, the King James says, trust in the living God. Because, is money alive? No. And yet so many people trust in their money and they're not trusting in the living God who is your provider. God can provide you with an opportunity, with an idea, with favor, with open doors, with whatever. There's so many things that could happen 
with regards to like he can speak to somebody and they can can open a door for you or give you something or whatever. Now he's obviously got to work through people to be a blessing to you. Doesn't just drop the money from the sky, unfortunately. You know, we don't do miracle money here either, for those of you who know that route. Um, so, <laughs> the, the problem is, that miracle money is where it just appears in your pocket. It had to come from somewhere. Okay, it had to come from somewhere. God doesn't counterfeit money. Or steal it. Okay, so He's not going to make it appear all of a sudden and steal from the government. But the point is, is that um, uh, uh, He's going to work through someone. So it's like if the ministry, like a... a, a uh, if we, we're needing to pay a bill or do something, you know what, we'll go on a mission trip. We don't say, God, please give us money to do this. What do we do? God, please, uh, uh, move in the, the hearts of our partners and the members of the church. And if, uh, you know, where, where someone is experiencing financial blessing, we thank you that they will be generous towards the ministry or this mission trip. Or, God, show us how we can make, get the money. What do we need to sell? What do we need to do? You know, you kind of work with God according to wisdom then. Uh, their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. This is a good one. Okay, because here we, you, you could say, oh, but look, God gives us what we have for our enjoyment. So if I don't have stuff for my enjoyment, then God's not giving to me. Well, how did God give for your enjoyment? Did you know that when God created the world, He put gold in it? Okay, he put many things in it, diamonds and all sorts, and, and the earth still creates those things too, but there's, there's, there's wealth in the world, amen? Some clever people even took simple things, like fresh water, and put it in a bottle and will charge you for it. I mean, there you go. Someone made money off of us, you know? Why? Because, and it, I don't know if it's a believer or not, but it's probably an unbeliever. Why? Because they had enough sense to take the wealth from the world and package it in a way where we'll spend money on it so that, hey, they'll, they'll make money off of us. So, God put wealth in the world for everybody and it, whoever digs it out is, can enjoy it. That's why you have wealthy unbelievers. Now, every Christian has to have the desire to work. Has, have to have the desire to, to go and dig it out and wisdom to, to learn and, and uh, grow an industry so that we can be good at what we're doing out there. So that we can, you know, you're not, you're not just going to walk into a job because you're a Christian. And a, a person who will employ you just because you're a Christian is a fool. <laughs> you, 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 they should employ you because you're good and a Christian. Amen? Like, 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 I, I don't want to go to a Christian dentist. God, no. I want to go to a, 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 a dentist who's good and is not going to butcher me because I don't like the dentist very much. Amen? <laughs> I know you've experienced it too. So, let me just say this. Poverty or riches doesn't define your spirituality or your faith. Okay? Faith doesn't give you money. Faith determines how you use your money. So, it says there, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. What that is saying there is God's put the money in the earth for the believer, for the unbeliever, and the one who will work at it can enjoy it. Work to get it will enjoy it. Verse 18. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works. So now it's not talking about rich as in you've got lots of money. It's saying be rich in generosity because you are rich. Okay? And generous to those in need. Always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasures as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Now what that is saying is it's echoing what Jesus said was that we can use our finances to store up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Okay? So where does your reward come for, 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 for giving to the gospel and giving to people? Heaven. So, it's not God who determines if you're rich or you're poor. Yeah? To be poor or to be rich isn't a function or result of prayer or fasting. God's made the, the riches available to us and a lazy hand will be poor. 
Okay, but a diligent hand will be blessed, will experience blessing, whether they got faith or not. The believer, we, we need to make sure that we're not defining ourselves according to our finances and what we have and what we don't have. You know, what the Apostle Paul is charging Timothy or, or, or instructing Timothy in here is that he must teach those who are rich in this world, firstly, not to trust in money, which is unreliable, but to trust in God who provides. Okay, God provides. Then, that we should store up for ourselves treasures in heaven by being kind with our money to other people. Being generous to others and towards the mission. So why do we, we give? We don't give for self-centered purposes. We don't give because we're trying to satisfy ourselves. We give because we, other people have a need and the gospel has a need. The gospel has a need to reach the ends of the earth. And our loved ones have a need to eat if, they, if that's the issue there. So what is reigning in life? Romans chapter 5 verse 17. For if by one man's death, re, death, uh, death, sorry, by one man's offense, death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. So from what we've spoken about, you can have loads of money and not be reigning in life. You can have little money and be reigning in life. But we reign in life, according to this verse, number one, by one, Jesus Christ. So relationship with Jesus is how we reign in life, because He is the way, the truth, and the life. So it all starts with knowing God. Okay, then this verse shows us we reign in life by receiving abundance of grace. Grace and works don't mix. We'll have to speak about this at some point. But grace and works don't mix. Okay? Grace will cause you to work hard. But, so when I'm saying works and grace don't mix, I'm not talking about works uh, uh, as a result of, um, or to, to, to make money and things like that. I'm talking about works as in being legalistic in that you're trying to do stuff to please God and get His attention. And you're doing things, like if you're giving money because you think God's going to bless you for it, that's legalism, it's works. It doesn't work like that. Okay? Grace. And uh, I love how it says that we should receive an abundance of grace, which means there is more than enough grace. You cannot out the amazing grace that is available to you. Now, that shouldn't make you want to go and live in sin. But it should make you fall even more in love with God, because, wow, I cannot exhaust God's grace. This is what grace is. Grace, unmerited favor, undeserved favor, uh, uh, grace is what God has done for us and freely offers us. But this is the, 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 the amazing part of it. His grace, the Bible says in the Greek there, super abounds towards us. It's limitless. And if you're feeling uncomfortable with that, you should. Because that's how amazing His grace is. If you get a revelation of that, you won't all of a sudden be going off and doing your own thing. You'll be running to Him because, wow, I want to know this God who's been so kind towards me. Okay? Then, we also reign in life by receiving, it says, the gift of righteousness. Reigning in life, I, 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 I'll conclude on this eventually, <laughs> but reigning in life is about righteousness, primarily. You reign because you're righteous. Righteousness is being right with God. And this says, this verse, that righteousness is a gift. So, it doesn't matter how you feel right now. If you're a Christian, if you've received Jesus, you put your faith in Him for salvation, you are 100% right with God all the time. That's amazing. That means on your worst day, you're righteous. On your best day, you're righteous. You're, you're always, God is always waiting or available to you. His blessing is always there. Why? Because of grace, which has brought the gift of righteousness. Now what's amazing with all of this, because we can dig into it more, is we need to ask ourselves, what does this mean? Okay? What is this all for? Why do I need an abundance of grace? Why do I need this gift of righteousness? Why do I need this relationship with Jesus? Because it's amazing, every Christian has those three things. 
Every Christian has those three things, even though every Christian isn't living in victory. So why would a Christian not be living in victory, even though they've got a relationship with God, they've got an abundance of grace, and they've got the gift of righteousness? Because you might not know it, you might not be living like it, but if you're a Christian, you're righteous, whether you, you accept it or not. So if that's true, then uh, 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 why are you still living in defeat? And what does that mean? It's because of ignorance or arrogance, really. But relationship with God is where it starts. Then, like I said, abundance of grace. Grace means it's not effort. I'm not trying to get into God's good books. I'm in God's good books. Like I start off in a positive. You know, so you get some people in, in life, uh, uh, present company excluded, we, we have some people in our lives where it's a case of, doesn't matter what you do, you always start off in a negative. You always start off in a negative with them. It's like, you have to try and impress them, and then maybe you can kind of get somewhere in the relationship. It's never like that with God. And yet, for a lot of us, I, I was like that for many years. I had this religious mindset of, if I need something from God, which I, we always do, then what do I need to do? I need to impress Him. You know, and then I need to kind of move forward in doing things to impress Him. So I served at church a lot. And I was involved in a lot of different things ministry-wise. And I was trying my best to do a good life. Why? Because, not because I was overwhelmed by the love and the goodness of God and I was thankful and I wanted other people to experience this. It was because I was being self-centered and selfish. I wanted God to love me. But He loves me anyway. So it's, it's like chasing your own tail. Your grace means also, the abundance of grace means you're completely forgiven. You're forgiven. Completely. And here's the thing. Titus shows us that grace will empower you to live a godly life. That's the purpose of grace. To live like Jesus. And there's a lot that we need to say about that. But then there's the gift of righteousness. And uh, righteousness, I've explained, it's just right relationship with God. So remember, we're going to define reigning in life according to what you believe your greatest and man's greatest desire or need is. Okay, what your greatest need is and what you believe success is. So what is man's greatest need? What is your greatest need right now? Okay, what is your greatest need right now? 1 Timothy 2 verse 4, the Amplified says... God, who wishes all men to be saved, and increasingly to perceive and to recognize and discern and to know precisely and correctly the divine truth. This verse shows us the most important thing that you and I need is salvation. And that's an eternal issue. Now you've got salvation, if you've got salvation. If you don't, come and talk to me afterwards and we'll pray together. But uh, 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 once you've got salvation, the next thing that you need so desperately is correct knowledge. Now, think about your challenging situation you're facing right now, if you're facing a challenging situation. If you're not facing a challenging situation, make one up in your mind for a moment. <laughs> okay? And think about, like, what is the greatest need in that situation? If it's finance, we think it's just provision. If it's health, we think it's just healing. If it's loneliness, we think we just need friends. I don't know what the situation is, but you, you create it, okay, in your mind, not in, in real life, please. And this shows us that these two things are greater than those things that you feel you need. Those things that you, 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 you might feel like you need a jacket because you're cold, it's a felt need. Okay? But the real need, like this is the problem with a lot of churches and missions, is a lot of churches with outreach and missions minister to felt needs only. Felt needs are important. God is interested about you eating today. God wants you to eat and make sure that you're you, you, you looked after. Okay? But a lot of well-intending Christians go and feed people who don't have food and let them go to hell. And that's not, that's not ministry. Ministry is the gospel, people receive it, they get saved. And then ministry after that is, you need to know something, you need correct knowledge, not just to put a, a band-aid on your amputation, but we need to fix this problem. 
And how do we fix this problem? It's correct knowledge. Jesus sums up the entire Old Testament. The entire Old Testament. Jesus sums it up. So, you, you, you're kind of wondering, what about what is Genesis to Malachi all about? Look, let's look at how he sums it up after his resurrection. We're looking at correct knowledge here. Luke chapter 24, verse 25 to 27. He says to his disciples, O fools! <laughs> I like that. Anyway. Slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. When he speaks about the prophets, he's speaking about Genesis 2, Malachi. Moses was a prophet, Ezekiel, Elijah, all those guys who, who wrote books. These are the prophets. And he's talking about what the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ, the Messiah, to have suffered these things and enter into His glory? And beginning at Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and all the prophets up to Malachi, He expounded, He explained unto them in all the Scriptures the things concerning Himself. What Jesus did there was He showed His disciples that the message of their Bible, Genesis to Malachi, was Him. He was the message of their Bible. And so he's showing them, can't you see that my death and resurrection, this is what the whole of the Old Testament was speaking about. Now why I'm bringing this in here is to show you the purpose of, of the message of the Bible is this. Okay? Everything hinges on the death, burial and resurrection of Christ. Okay? Paul said something similar. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Or actually we need to go to... Did I read the 44 to 47 yet? No, go to 44 to 47. It says, And he said unto them, same conversation, These are the words which I spoke unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the law of Moses, and in the prophets up to Malachi, and in the Psalms concerning me. And then he opened up their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. So he taught them so that they could understand. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, thus it is behooved Christ to suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. So in other words, everything hinges on the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. And if the Bible at that stage, Genesis to Malachi, if the scriptures were the most important documents in, at, at that stage in life, then the message is the most important message, and that is, you need to put faith in Jesus so you can get saved. That, that's what this is saying. Jesus is saying, the most important thing you need to know is Jesus died for your sin, and He was raised from the dead to give you new life. Period. That is the most important thing you need to know. In any situation. And like I said, Paul said something similar, 2 Timothy 3.15. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures, Genesis to Malachi, because remember he didn't have a New Testament. So he's talking about the Old Testament. You have been taught Genesis to Malachi from childhood, and they have, been, they have given you wisdom to receive salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. So he's saying that the message of the Bible and the purpose of the Bible isn't for you to read Proverbs and get wisdom, to be able to do business well. He's saying that the purpose of reading and studying the Old Testament is so that you can see Jesus and put faith in Him so you can receive salvation. And that salvation should change everything. And if it changes everything, then as you get correct knowledge about salvation, it will transform you. Okay? Because salvation is reigning in life. If this is the most important message, then this is what reigning in life is. Regardless of your bank balance. Even though we want your bank balance to do well, so that your family can do well, and the ministry can do well as well as a result. But let's, let's just unpack this a little bit. Man had an eternal problem. Were people rich before Jesus came? The answer is yes. Let, let, let's throw this one. This is a good one. Was Abraham rich before God blessed him? Yes, yes 100%. He had no material wealth added to him after God said, I will bless you. Because he was already rich. That's quite something. If you go and look at it, we're not looking at that, but if you look at that. Man had an eternal problem. 
Did people have houses before Jesus came? Yes. So Jesus didn't come so you could have faith to build, to buy a house. Did Jesus, I can't say cars, because cars weren't around there, but did people have modes of transport before Jesus came? Yes. So faith isn't for you to get a car, a mode of transport. Faith is for salvation, because there is an eternal problem. The message of salvation is a universal one. What I mean by that is not universalism at all. But what I mean by it is that it applies to everyone. We should be able to take the message of the gospel and preach it to the rich, preach it to the poor, preach it to the sick, preach it to the healthy, and it applies to all. Everybody can receive it. But what we do sometimes is preach what we think is a gospel, and we talk just about health, and the healthy people are like, but this isn't for me. Or the rich people, we're just talking about riches, they're like, this isn't for me. That shows you that there's a problem in doctrine then. Man had an eternal problem. John 3.16 For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting or eternal life. That's the purpose of Jesus coming. Nothing about money. Okay? Nothing about money. And I love, and it's important to point this out, that whosoever believeth, it's a faith thing. This is the grace of God. He's not saying, whosoever gets their act together and follows the law of Moses. He says, whosoever believeth. So you just need to put your faith in Christ, and that's it. But that's too simple. Exactly. That's the good news. Gospel means good news. This is the Gospel, Ephesians 1.13. In Him you were also, when you heard the word of truth, the good news, the Gospel of your salvation, and you believed in Him, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So now this is showing us what salvation is. It's the Spirit of God coming to dwell in you forever. Forever. And so this is success. This sets you up to be able to reign in life. This is reigning in life. But now as a Christian, you can reign over challenging circumstances and, and even in the valley of the shadow of death because the Spirit of God lives in you and the Spirit of God wants to dwell out of you. That's We, we, we read John chapter 10, verse 10, and it says, um, uh, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and life to the abundance till it overflows. And we talk about this abundant life. You know what abundant life is? It's not money. If you go study it out, it's talking about the abundance of the Holy Spirit that we have, flowing, overflowing through us. So, reigning in life, reigning in life uh, is salvation, number one, and then it's living in the fullness of that salvation. And I know, for every Christian that's here tonight, we're, we have to admit, we're not living maybe in the fullness there's things that we can grow into. There's things we can step into. But the, re the way that we're going to grow in those things and step into those things is correct knowledge. That's why teaching is so important. Okay? Salvation is not just pie in the sky when you die. It's also steak on the plate while you wait. Okay? So, it's something to enjoy now, but it's for eternity. Okay? It's the Spirit of God in you and the Spirit of God through you forever. So, you go read through Romans chapter 5. And you look through Romans chapter 5 and you'll see. Romans chapter 5 never speaks about money and it never speaks about healing. Never. You go read through the whole of Romans. It doesn't do it. It speaks about the sin problem and it speaks about righteousness as the solution. And the, the, the process of that, of justification... We're made just as if we've never sinned. Because sin was the problem, not poverty. It was poverty of spirit. And so we read through Romans chapter 5 and we see that sin, condemnation and death were the problem. Jesus came to deal with all three. Okay? Sin, in that we can live free from sin and that's reigning. We can live free from sin. You don't have to struggle with things that you're struggling with. That's, that's good news, don't you think? I'd rather have that than, than, than money sometimes. Okay? And, and, and for some people I know, they've got lots of money, but they're struggling with things, and I know they would rather have freedom than have everything that they could desire. 
And this is what Jesus came to give us. Romans chapter 6. Let's just look at it quickly. Verse 6 and 11. Could it be any clearer that our former identity, sinner, is now and forever deprived of its power, for we were co-crucified with Him, Jesus, to dismantle the stronghold of sin within us, so that we would, not, uh, we would not continue to live one moment longer submitted to sin's power. That's showing you, you don't have to be submitted to sin's power. You can be free from sin. Verse 11. So let it be the same way with you. Since you are now joined with Him, that's salvation, you must continually view yourselves as dead and unresponsive to sin's appeal while living daily for God's pleasure in union with Jesus. That last part is so important. You are in union with Him. But now, you need to see yourself as dead and unresponsive to uh, a sin's appeal. That means, even though you're a Christian, sin will still appeal to you. Sin will still try and tempt you and lure you and draw you in. And you've got to consider yourself unresponsive. What is another word for unresponsive, doctor? Dead. <laughs> Professional. Gave me that advice. <laughs> okay? So, you've got to see. And then, what does it say? Now live daily for His pleasure. That's reigning in life. Living for His pleasure. Not yours. Romans chapter 6 verse 12. Let not, therefore, um, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. You know that you don't have to sin? Wow, that's amazing. You don't have to sin. And you feel like sometimes you have to, but it's a choice, number one. And number two, you just got thinking you need to work out. Okay? Condemnation. Jesus came to deal with condemnation. Romans 8.1 There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Why are you not condemned? Romans chapter 5 verse 1 Because you've been justified. You've been made right with God. Anyway, salvation. I'm not going to talk about death. I'll just say this one thing about death. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. 1 Corinthians 15 We need to know that death is now... It's not a permanent... Uh, 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 solution or permanent issue for us as believers. We pass from this life into the next. Okay? But we, 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 we reign over death because of eternal life. So death isn't final for us. Amen. That's good news. Okay? But our salvation is an eternal matter. So even if you die prematurely, you still win. That's reigning. Even though you die prematurely, for whatever reason, you still win. Now, you've got the Spirit of God dwelling in you, so you, you can overcome sickness and whatever comes against your body. You can overcome, because we're set up for that. What is preventing us from sometimes experiencing that is something between our ears. We don't understand something. We don't know something. And so that's why we've got to constantly be in the Word, seeking God to understand these things, so we can grow in these things. So we can, you know, and I've, I've seen great uh, healings and miracles in people's lives when I've ministered to them. You know, one of my favorite ones that just pops into my head was someone I ministered to in England. And um, I heard the testimony a year later, but they, their eyesight was deteriorating. They were going to go and get thicker glasses and they no longer wear glasses. I was like, that's awesome. God heals people. But sometimes I prayed for people and they've literally died. What do I do with that? I go, thank you God, eternity is forever, and I move on. That's all you can do. So, we've got the Spirit of God in us, and we're still growing and learning the things of God so that we can live like Jesus. But here we go, salvation is your victory because it's your deliverance. Let's look at this verse. Colossians 1, 13-14 Who has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. This is showing you that you have forgiveness. You're forgiven. You knowing that is reigning in life. You living from that revelation is reigning in life. But this also says that, that, that the devil has no hold on you. You've been delivered. Your deliverance was saying yes to Jesus. Now, any hold that you feel the enemy has on you is illegitimate and it's a lie. And you experience that illegitimate lie because you don't know something. 
We're destined to reign in life through Christ Jesus over the devil, over sin, over temptation, over our emotions, amen, over the flesh, and over sickness. But ultimately, if those things kind of hit us and we didn't see it coming or whatever, we reign because we have eternal life. Life for eternity. You know, if we, if we look at, we said, what is the most important thing? It's salvation and then correct knowledge. This is what Paul prays for, for the believers. And I'll finish off with this verse. Paul prayed for this, and this is what he wanted us to have a revelation of in Ephesians chapter 1, 17 to 20. He says, I pray that the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, would impart to you the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to know Him through your deepening intimacy with Him. So he's praying that we would have a revelation and that it would lead to intimacy with God. That's, that's number one, one of your greatest needs. Revelation which leads to a healthy relationship with God. I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of His calling. That is the wealth of God's glorious inheritance He finds in us, His holy ones. It's loaded. I'm not even going to get into it. You go meditate on it. Verse 19. I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. Then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. See, so the revelation leads to an experience. The revelation leads to an experience. Correct knowledge, a revelation, leads to experiencing His power in you and through you. And it goes on there. So this just shows us like we can reign in life because we're saved. And God desires for us to reign in life through that salvation in many different ways. Like I said, it's joy, it's peace, it's love. It's, 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 I mean, there's so many things that we can say about this, but because, put it like this, you put an unbeliever and a believer next to each other, and we both experience similar things in this life, right? We, we, we can experience the same tragedy, an easy one for us all to look at, COVID, lockdown. And I mean, some of you may not have experienced this like a believer should, but some people believe, some believers responded to the lockdown in a way where they didn't allow it to steal their joy. And it was a testimony. Some unbelievers didn't allow it to steal their joy. So it just shows that, that, that they can do that too, but there's much more for us in that. You know, reigning in life with the Spirit of God in us, through us, is, is taking up our authority. And this is something we'll talk about. And then exercising our authority over sickness. Exercising our authority like that uh, against the works of the devil. Because that's why Jesus came. Said we would live in victory over the enemy and his works. But it starts with the correct knowledge. And we perish because of the devil being so big. Hosea 4.6 says, My people perish for lack of knowledge. Amen? So what you don't know is killing you. Father, I, I thank you that uh, you have destined us to reign and to rule in this life. And we're just scratching the surface of, surface of getting into this. But I thank you that we can, we can be stirred up and, ch and challenged and encouraged that we can live in victory over the devil, over sickness, over sin, over temptation, over ourselves. <laughs> And, and we can live as an advertisement of your power in us and through us because we have the right focus, the right information. And so I thank you that as we dig into the Word over the next couple of weeks together on this topic, I thank you that you open up our eyes and our understanding that we would see the truth, accept the truth, and experience the freedom that the truth brings, Father. Father, I know that many people are going through many different things. And so I thank you that as they get a hold of this, they'll rise up and reign in the situation that they, that they are currently in. I thank you that you haven't created hardships for us. But you're with us in hardships to pull us through those hardships. And so we choose just to allow you to lead us through the valley of the shadow of death. 
I just feel like that's a word of encouragement for some, is that you know, even though you find yourself in a dark place, God is wanting to lead you out of it. So don't lose sight of Him. He's with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Don't lose sight of Him. He is the light unto your path. He wants to lead you in the direction that you should go. Sometimes the greatest need that you, you feel you have is a need for wisdom. And yet the Bible says that Jesus has become our wisdom. It's 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30 or so. And so Father, I thank you that for people who are needing wisdom to deal with situations, wisdom to make life decisions, I thank you that they would turn to you knowing that you are their wisdom and that they would make wise decisions in moving forward, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. I thank you, Father, that you are good and you're only good. And I thank you that uh, this week, even though troubles might come, and even though uh, uh, there might be challenges, I thank you that because you're with us, we can overcome. In Jesus' name. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.co. And if you're ever in the Cape Town area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website, www.gracelife.co.